You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 392, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Brian Mariani. It is so great to catch up with you today, Brian. We are now at 20 episodes of the Ruby on Rails podcast, and it's kind of crazy how fast this has gone. I know. No, I love that we're in this endeavor together. And as you know, I think so highly of you and the job you do. And it's just, it's awesome. And it's, it's really a pleasure to collaborate on it together. And it's, it is crazy that we've already hit the 20 mark. I, I love it. I love it too. Cheers to 200 more. Yes. Our virtual champagne toast. Here, here it is. I <laughs> we, love it. Well, Brian, what has been new with you? Oh my gosh. Interestingly, nothing new. It's just more of the same, which is more and more companies are looking to hire. So not much has changed, but it's all good. I wouldn't want it any other way. It's the demand since last Christmas has been higher each month since the month before it. So, and that continues right now. And I think it's going to continue through into 2022 for sure. So we've been going full speed ahead now that all the kids are back in school and I think summer vacations are over. That has also prompted like a little bit even more heightened busyness, like in the past month or two. I've just been hearing, you know, from a lot of past clients, a lot of like net new clients, lots of referrals. So it's been great. Certainly no complaints on this end. Well, you know how typically every year around December, people just ghost you and everyone just kind of goes on that holiday freeze. Yeah. I kind of expect that not to happen this year. Yeah. It's funny. We were talking about this a little bit because we do track a lot of the metrics around just response rate from engineers and just overall conversations with companies and whatnot. And it definitely dips a little bit before Thanksgiving, but then a lot right before Christmas and then that week between Christmas and New Year's for sure. But last year we were busier than normal during those times. It was still less, but busier than normal. So I would not at all be surprised. I think you could be spot on. We might find myself going from the wrapping paper strewn all over the floor to going upstairs to checking a few emails to back down to the wrapping paper. So it could be a very busy time. And it might also be a time that a lot of engineers just have a chance to really decompress a little bit. They actually have some free time to chat. That's what we noticed a little bit last year was that for whatever reason, during that week, people were a little more available than usual and happy to do it. I think everyone was so used to working remote anyway. It was kind of a refreshing change to just hop on the phone with someone. But yeah, we shall see what the future holds. Well, we've talked about this so many times, but remote is clearly here to stay. And let's be honest, it's really not a attribute anymore that is like a big bonus in joining a new company. It's kind of assumed that it's going to be available. So have you seen any shift in what companies are now trying to use in order to stand out just because so many of them are hiring? Yeah, it's amazing how it's really you know leveled the playing field in so many ways. There's so many factors to it too, because remote work, I agree. I think it's here to stay, if not like in fully remote fashion, some sort of hybrid. But most companies are, as I talked to, are just fine with fully remote. They are maintaining offices, a lot of them, just because you know not everyone has like a, a good work from home setup that they can really focus or concentrate. Who knows? Maybe you got a bunch of roommates doing the same thing. And it's just nice to go somewhere where you can collect your thoughts a little bit. So they are keeping it and it's been good. You know, it could be a collaborative space when they do want to get people together from time to time. So I'm not sure that offices are going away, but the remote is definitely here to stay as far as I can tell. I have not seen any signs of it kind of going the other way yet. So that is interesting, but definitely levels the playing field. And to your point, yeah, companies have had to stand out a little bit more. In one sense, benefits, I've seen the benefits seem to be a little more robust, which is nice. Like there's just a few more little perks and extras and almost kind of catering to the well-being of the employee, which is great. You know, just 
going out of their way to pay for extra things, even some bonuses like beyond like gym memberships or things to stay fit and healthy, but even just like a stipend for like food shopping, stuff like that, that I didn't normally see before. I definitely have seen a little more of that. I just feel like the one pager on benefits at most companies has increased. So to your point, I think that's why companies are trying to find another way to stand out. So we don't currently have a one pager as opposed to like, you know, our website where we list all of our culture and our benefits. Do you actually recommend that companies maintain a one pager for engineers specifically? It's a nice to have, I think, just because it's a quick reference point. I do get that request a decent amount from developers. I always take those notes. So for me personally, like for my clients, I have the information so I can relay that. Sometimes, especially if a developer is kind of like on the fence and they say, this kind of perked my interest. I'd like to learn more about them. Do you have any info on the benefits as well? It is nice to have that because if I haven't really engaged them yet and haven't had like a personal interaction and it's just over email so far, then yes, having that one pager is nice. I can type it up, but you know, for all those companies out there that don't use Mirror, I would recommend having one. You know, and some companies even just have like a dedicated web page to their benefits. So not just like a PDF or something. And that's a nice link to have associated with your job description. I'm curious if you've seen companies get pushed by developers to do things that maybe they'd never considered before. But some companies are very insistent that you start out as a contractor and then they'll hire you on. Or some companies don't have an open mind about sponsoring. So I'm curious if you've seen any changes on that front just because it is a developer-driven market at this point. The pendulum has definitely swung to the engineers. That's the, you know, they kind of hold all the power right now. When you talk about sponsoring, you mean visas? Yes, for sure. Yep. I have seen more of that, just like companies sort of investing in an immigration lawyer and you know those services just to be able to take care of that. I even have one company that specializes in that. So I find that super interesting. They're one of my more active clients right now. They specialize in allowing you to hire people wherever they live and they take care of all of that. So they have all of the immigration stuff figured out. They have like the sort of 401k investment type of uh, retirement plans. They have those benefits figured out in, I think, like over 90 countries. Healthcare, same thing. They have that figured out. So it just makes it super easy. So if you're a company and you want to just hire someone, regardless of where they live, you can do it. It's just interesting. Like a company like that now is taking off. It could have been useful in the past, but it's just so especially useful now. And your point about sort of contract to hire, it was a lot more popular pre-pandemic. I don't see almost any of it anymore. I've had one request probably since March of 2020 to see if people were open to that. But they always say the same thing. Now they say, this is how we used to do it, but we realize we can't be that picky. So if someone, they don't necessarily want to leave a very safe role with guaranteed salary, guaranteed benefits for a contract to hire position that may or may not materialize after a month or two of working together. So I think companies really sort of bending over backwards and, and doing a little more than usual to accommodate the engineer in a variety of ways. That makes sense. Now, I'm curious too, you've seen so many different interview path lines. So how early into the interview process for a developer should you be putting someone technical in front of them? It's funny because a lot of companies now with the uh, higher demand and higher competition for engineers are trying to condense their interview processes. I'm getting a lot more of this. And a lot of them are asking about sort of condensing the first round and diving into a technical interview just to kind of get through it quicker. Interestingly enough, I advise them to not do that. I guess I look at it from the perspective, if I was the engineer, 
But I want to dive directly into a technical interview. I would love to just get a little feel for the people, the culture, just have a little bit of that first, just to make sure like at a high level, I'm interested in the opportunity, kind of get along with some of the people. And then it might make sense to dive into that technical interview. Companies, what they've done, which is pretty creative, they'll have sometimes a technical person. They'll have one of their engineers who's probably one of the more personable people, you know, good personality, et cetera, kind of do a combo call in that first interview. And everyone's been very receptive to that because when I push back on it a little bit, they say, yeah, actually, that does make sense. So we'll have someone kind of give like the high level, more of a meet and greet. It might be, even if it's just the first 15 minutes or so, it's just very helpful to kind of set the stage before we just dive right into like a coder pad session or something like that. But that has gone well. I found that it actually does help to condense the interview process a little bit for companies, but not necessarily dive right in to technical out of the gate. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. Honey Badger is one of the easiest decisions you can make. As an engineering lead on a tech stack that supports UI, API, mobile application, and Chrome extension, it is awesome to have all of my error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring in one place. No matter how great your team is, your code is going to have errors. Honey Badger empowers your whole team to own the features they ship. Honey Badger sends you alerts real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Head over to honeybadger.io and discover how Honey Badger is used by tens of thousands of pragmatic developers and companies of all sizes who want to focus on shipping great error-free products. Yeah, what parts of an interview are they essentially trying to cut out? Are they trying to cut out the pure HR? We know that you understand how to work in a professional environment interview. I'm curious. Yeah, it seems to be that. It depends on the organization. It depends how big they are and how much of an HR department they have, of course. But yeah, they're trying to save time. So they're trying to, you know, like I mentioned, condense those two. I think what they're getting a sense of is more and more companies are doing like pairing interviews, at least of my clients. And what they're finding is that those pairing sessions are just as much a cultural session as they are a technical session. So they're not skipping steps, but I think maybe kind of sort of moving away from that just pure meet and greet phone call at the beginning to, you know, we'll tell you a little bit about who we are, what we do. Sounds good. High level. We could do some technical work together just see what it's like to work together. We'll work on something real that we've either solved in the past or we're kind of working on just to give you like a real life example. And that is one tip I give engineers all the time now, just because it's A, true and B, companies continue to tell me that in those pairing sessions, that is what they are screening for almost more than your technical ability is, what is it like to work with this person? We're potentially going to be working together for years. Are you easy to get along with? So you're defensive if someone is critical about an approach you're taking during the coding session, anything like that, like they just screen for all that. So at the end of the day, the companies are getting what they need and screening for all of this, but I think they're just being a little more efficient in the way they do it so they can, you know, save time and not lose out because so many other companies are trying to get their hands on probably the same engineer. That makes sense. Currently, our HR manager, she is the first person to interview all of our candidates at Texas, except for we're currently hiring for two senior Rails developers and one senior React developer. And it's actually me who goes first, just because I've noticed that the developers really like that they're talking to someone who can answer their technical questions early. Mm -hmm. But my goal is not to grill them on specific technical questions. It's more to get that culture fit. 
and to be someone who can answer their technical questions and kind of give them the lay of the land. I will say, though, it's dangerous because my time's precious. Everybody's time is precious. And so you could be five minutes into an interview and you're like, you know what, this isn't it. And, you know, I really try to finish out that interview. I might go a bit quicker knowing that ultimately it's probably not the right fit. Mm -hmm. But I think it works well in terms of the engineering roles. Yes, for engineering roles, it 100% does. And honestly, like you're the perfect person to have that first call because you just strike that perfect balance. Like you said, you can answer the technical questions, but you really be able to dive into the cultural piece too. That sort of approach, I think a lot of my clients are taking, but not everyone has Brittany Martin to do it. So (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it, Brian. You were too kind to me. So next week is RubyConf, which will be split both in person and virtual. And I saw that one of the things that RubyConf is doing is they're doing a virtual job fair. And I saw our friends at Doximity are doing it. And so do you have any advice to the companies who would be pitching themselves through a virtual job fair? Because it's so different than trying to, as an engineer, pitch yourself in person to these companies. Mm, Yes, no, it is. So you have to go about it with a little bit more of a unique approach, I think. And if I had to give some advice, I would say a question I've been asking a lot more recently, and for all sense of purposes, that's what I do every day, right? It's kind of a virtual job fair, so to speak, where I'm hopping on a Zoom call with the engineers. And one of the questions I've been asking more and more lately, and I found it's catching people a little off guard, or at least it makes them think a little more than it used to pre-pandemic, is I ask, what's your happiness level? And they're expecting me to ask them something technical, typically, out of the gate. And when I ask them that, it's just funny, some of the reactions I get. And the one I love the most is when they say, I'm actually totally happy where I am. Because that is often the best time to look for a job or at least consider other things. Maybe you've been there for a long time and for good reason. But when someone's not particularly all the way happy or they think they are, and then they start to think about it and they're like, oh, that's a good question. I had someone just the other day, in fact, he was like, wow, I actually hadn't asked myself that. But when you put it that way, he's like, I actually do have some things I want to talk to you about that. He's like, I I had no complaints about this job. But when we really kind of dive into it, I think maybe I'm just putting up with some things that aren't ideal. You know, I'm rolling with it at this point. I'm used to it. But am I excited to jump out of bed every day to do it? Or maybe not as much. And here's why. And then they kind of get into it. So I think touching on some of the softer skills, like the people, the culture, those things are what's going to make your company stand out. The work-life balance. All of those are just the heightened importance on those factors are just way, way higher than they've ever been. Because it just matters with everyone working remote. I think just knowing that company has remote figured out, knowing that the work-life balance is good. Maybe they've got kids at home or other things going on after work. They want to be able to kind of strike that balance. They don't want to be on call or things like that. Like I would talk about those things, like really kind of get into that and ask questions of the engineer. I think sometimes companies can go a little overboard selling themselves, but sometimes just asking about the developer and what sort of makes them tick and what makes them happy. Like ultimately you'll get back to your company and they're going to ask questions of you, but I think it's important to focus on them if you're in a job fair. I mean, that's what I do every day and that's how you can best help someone is to kind of learn more about them, listen to them, hear what's good, what's not so good, and then hopefully you can help them fix it. That makes so much sense. And I love the idea of the work-life balance. I think we all take for granted that what we're currently doing might be balanced. But once you hear what someone else's situation is, you know, text us, we don't technically have an on-call rotation, 
we have our DevOps team and Jason was on the episode just a couple episodes ago talking about this, but that's a big selling point because there's a lot of companies out there like you essentially wear a pager. Yes. If something happens, you have to drop everything. You can't like go on vacation without your laptop. To me, that just sounds incredibly suffocating. Exactly. And since 2020, just engineers are more in tune to that than ever before. But I think it makes for a healthier engineer, a happier engineer, if they can check all those boxes and those things to focus on if I was in that virtual job fair. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlantis still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites. An interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together and we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build the future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. So I'm incredibly lucky in the fact that I've worked at many companies that have sent me to different conferences and invested in educational materials. I must have just gotten lucky, I guess. But, you know, we're sending nine engineers to RubyConf and most of them have never been sent to a conference by their company. And I think we need to tout that more too, because you have to be invested in the entire career growth of that engineer. And while that does take a lot of resources and it requires somebody on staff to be actively thinking about it, it's so important. I mean, that's how you create that stickiness because, you know, we keep saying developers are in control right now. And so the ones that are actively looking for sure, but like you can have developers leave whenever they want. And the thing is two weeks, it's not enough time. So you really have to think about retention. Totally. And I think you nailed it. Going back to one of your previous questions, that is another thing I've seen more of. And I know you guys do it, which is great, is investing in the engineer, allowing them to have some time to work on things that interest them or sort of really pay for their way to get to a conference, take care of those expenses, that investment in the engineer. Previously, so many companies will talk about their mission, the work that they need done. It was about, here's what you get to do if you work here. I think a job now is more about, yes, here's what you get to work on and here's who you get to work on it with, but we really want to make you a better engineer. We want to invest in you. We want to bring you along in your arc of your career and we're going to invest in you in these ways. And that sort of continuing education conferences, if they want to you know, purchase some materials online, books, et cetera, take some online classes, all of those things are key. Another one, 
which I remember way back in the day, Carbon 5, one of my longtime clients was one of the first that did this and not a lot of other companies did it, but now I'm hearing more, is just setting aside a little time every week. So every Friday or, or whatever it may be, or maybe it's just like a floating three to five hours or something like that, or like one of the days of the week, you get a certain block of time where you work on something or investigate something or study up on something that you want to learn. You know, maybe there's a new version of JavaScript or who knows, but something you want to just get better at or sort of bone up on as an engineer, they just allow you that time, sort of free time to invest in that. And I know that's something that Carbon did and still do, but a lot of other companies, there are a decent amount. I, I've just seen that in sort of their benefits listing or in the job description that they invest in that. So yeah, it's a growing trend and a good one, I think. So 20 episodes ago, you said something really interesting in that you were mostly looking for Rails positions for all of these developers and that your companies were coming to you with Rails. Is that still true four months later? I will say this. Another trend is that, and maybe it's just, again, because of the increased demand that I've had more clients say, if someone has production level Rails experience, awesome. That's what we want. If they're a good, solid backend engineer and they haven't used Ruby before and they want to, and they, they want to get into it, it's still okay. You know, kind of looking for, I think I've maybe used the term before, kind of like the raw athlete programmer who isn't necessarily concerned about specific languages and frameworks, but they'll just use the best tool for the job and they'll figure out those technical problems using Ruby if they have to, but if they haven't, it's okay. And when I run into those engineers, I, I certainly know it. They're not easy to run into, but more and more developers are cool with that too, I have to say. So that has changed. I just feel like companies have relaxed the actual like Ruby production level experience requirement a bit. And they'll just be happy to talk to a great backend engineer. Oh, that's great. We were just talking about that at work and whether or not that was something that we'd be interested in doing. I think you need to have such a solid plan in order to onboard those developers and an understanding that it is going to take them longer to ramp up. So if that's something that you need to do and granted with the market that we have now, then maybe it's something that you need to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has come up more and more with my clients at a minimum. So I'm sure you know, others have been following suit. Now, I secretly love it because that means we get more people joining the Ruby community. And as something we always talk about on this podcast, we need to continue to grow out both the Ruby and Rails community. Exactly. So another question that I wanted to ask you about was, what do you do if you are a junior developer and you really have your heart set at working at a certain company? But though they don't have any junior developer roles specifically, but they might have a role that you can have the qualifications in order to get. Is that a good move or should you stay on the market and really try to find that junior developer role? For anyone that's really just getting started, I always give the same advice, which it's just about getting started. I wouldn't be too picky. I think sometimes I tend to find that if you're just getting started, it's that chicken and egg problem. How do I get that first job? How do I land that kind of specific role I want. It's just a matter of getting in the door. And if you can do that, I really don't worry about the salary. Don't worry about almost anything else. If the people seem cool, the work seems good, even though it's not like quite the ideal fit, you got to just get in, get that work experience. I see so many stories of this where once engineers get in the door, they can get to that role that they want. You can grow into it in pretty short order too. I just had this happen last week, actually. This woman, her name was Carol. She was great and English was not her first language. And she really was a terrific engineer, but she was looking to get a lead role. 
the company just, you know, they weren't quite comfortable with that, but they wanted to offer a senior position, which I give them a lot of credit for. They didn't want to shut the door on her because they saw her talent, but she just wasn't quite, I guess, at the level they needed. And we had a long talk about it and she really came around on it. She was like, you're right. This is exactly what I need to do is I want to earn my way into a lead there. And sometimes it's easier. You can set yourself up regardless of level for a, a little bit of disappointment if you kind of go for something that's a little over your head. As long as like the salary works out and you're comfortable and whatnot, never be afraid to take on a role that's not quite the right fit and then grow into the one that is because all of these companies have that available. Like they'll have those roles. They have the career advancement, like trajectory in front of them, the growth potential in front of them for you as an engineer. They know that track record is there. So don't let the perfect role be the enemy of the good role. I love that so much. I agree too, because, you know, I wanted to be a product manager. This was about 10 years ago, but, you know, I joined a startup, which was my first startup, very exciting. And I joined in a business development role. And, you know, after being there for a year, the engineering team and I had a good relationship. They're like, hey, we think that you would be a good product manager. Would you consider doing a business development role hybrid where you're doing half of one role and then learning to be a product manager? And that ended up working out really well for me. And it kind of got my whole love of code started, which so I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But with several of these roles that are now really difficult to place, you know, developer, product manager, data analyst, all kinds of stuff, tier three support. It kind of makes sense to like set yourself up in a company so that you can make that internal shift because it might be a lot easier to replace the current role that you're working in. And you might be able to convince the company eternally that you are a good fit for an open role that's hard to hire for. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. If you get in, it's like, Every developer knows they're good, but they know their talents and they know their talents better than anyone else. The company they're interviewing with, they truly don't know everything they can bring to the table. They don't know where they can shine the brightest, but you do as an engineer. And if you can get in and flourish and work hard, like they'll see all of that. And then it just does not take long. If you show, I know it's one of your favorite words. If you show that ambition, you can truly kind of carve your path. But for so many people, I just tell them, just get in that door, especially if it's a company that you find cool, if it's not the right role, it's okay. You're going to get into it. I've seen it at Doximity and some of the other clients that we've had on. I've just seen folks just go down, like all of a sudden they're going down the DevOps path or they've gone from like back-end focus to very front-end focus. Like they just found a passion there and, you know, they knew they had that talent. The company maybe didn't at the time, but it doesn't take too long before you start working alongside other people. They realize it. Hey, you speak up a little bit and there you go. You're, you're going to carve your way to the sort of path you want to get on. Totally. So before we wrap up, Brian, I'm curious, you know, all of these companies out there are scaling up engineering hires, all types of hires. What are the plans for scaling up Mirror? Do you plan on taking more clients? Do you plan on expanding to other areas of the world? What does that currently look like? Yeah, we're thankfully at a, a point where we're staffed up enough that we can handle all of our clients. Although there are days it feels a little stretched thin just because the demand can really ebb and flow. And it's always high, but sometimes it can feel very high, which is good. But you know, my partner, Jonathan, is just an amazing guy. And a lot of listeners out there probably heard from him at one point or another. And then all of our supporting cast behind Jonathan and I that help out, whether it's other folks with Mirror or the whole Atlantis team that we have. Yeah, thankfully, you know, we're in a good spot where we can kind of keep up with the demand. The client calls, though, that's one thing we track. They are at like a record pace. So if we get to that point where we become the bottleneck, for sure, Mirror will be hiring and growing itself. 
We could be heading there in short order. We'll see what 2022 has to hold. But yeah, right now it's kind of a feverish pace, which is fun because I love it. As you know, I love my job and the work that I've done for the past 15 years helping engineers. When it's like this, it's just super exciting. Some of the offers work out, some don't. But at the end, you're always seeing someone happy. You're seeing someone find something that they love, whether it's through us or whether they find it through their own methods. And that's what I love because it's great. As I always say, this business is not about today. It's about all the days after today. And that's what we focus on, the careers of all the engineers. That is the perfect way to wrap up. Brian, we will have to check in on you and see how wrapping paper and emails went. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you for co-hosting with me. I so appreciate it and look forward to listening to you soon. Yeah, this is great to be on again. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.